Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Amen. Good evening. You guys doing okay? You know, uh, I was just thinking as we were uh, planning out the whole missions month, uh, we wanted to put in this encounter because we felt that it was important that we gather whenever we have an opportunity to gather so that we can grow together, experience God together, and then from there we can go out and share the gospel. And, you know, we didn't really know what topic we wanted to cover. That's why we just kind of put it as encounter. And as we're trying to decide, as we were in the process of deciding, one of the things that came up was just the need for prayer and just our own intimacy with the Lord. You know, even though I don't meet with all of you, you know, there's different ways that I have. I have my methods, so I cannot disclose that to you. But uh, I have ways to find out where our church is in terms of like spiritually. And, you know, part of it is that there's prayer requests. Another part is just talking with some of the leaders and they have a better pulse on our church than I do. Because, you know, even though I meet with people throughout the week, uh, I'm not on the ground level um, with some of you all the time. So I need help to be able to know where our church is at so that even in my preaching and in our sharing, everything that we do is really for all of you to keep on growing so you can fulfill the mission and the purpose that God has for you. And so one of the things that came up was just this whole uh, aspect of many of you are very stressed out because I know school is overwhelming for some of you right now. Uh, others of you at work, for whatever reason, as you come to the end of the year, there's always busy things because you're trying to close out a lot of stuff at work. And the problem is that many of us, we still have not learned, and it's going to take time. And so we're not trying to make you feel guilty or shaming you in any way, but some of us have still not learned how to process when things are stressful or when there's a lot of anxiety. And there's a lot of reasons. This is not a counseling session, you know. There's a lot of reasons why some of us still struggle with it tremendously. And I think all of us do. And even for myself, just realizing that even with the whole COVID situation, like just periods of times, you know, there's a lot of anxiety. And I'm like, why am I feeling so, like, drained? It's not so much like physical tiredness, spiritual tiredness, but I just feel drained. And I realized a lot of it was just a constant zooming, right? Zooming in, zooming out, and constantly just trying to figure out what we need to do as a church. So it does mentally drain you. And I realized I was mentally drained uh, just during this time. And so within this whole process, I think one of the things that we have to come to the realization is that for many of us here, that even though you have a great desire to do missions and to reach out to people, reach out to your campus, your co-workers, your colleagues in your workplace, your family, the neighborhood, even Hong Kong and beyond, I'm just going to be straight up and be very honest with you that it is, it is going to lead to a very bad place when you try to do a lot of things for God when you're not doing well with God. Does that make sense? That's what we call soul care, learning how to take care of your own heart and your spiritual life. Because if anything, it's going to lead to a righteous self-righteousness and works mentality. I'll tell you that much. I've been there. A lot of people have been there. And it's not a good place. And for some of us, we, we are stuck because we don't know what to do. We are in this position. 
And I will say there's, there's part of it, there's really nothing you can do. <laughs> I mean, I know that might seem very discouraging, but, you know, it, it's unless the Spirit of God infuses something inside your heart to put that desire, you cannot generate that. That's part of the depravity of man. That's why we strongly believe in the sovereignty of God. This is the reason why we always talk about discernment and we've introduced the whole Kairos circle. Uh, some of you don't know what that is. You will hopefully in the in the future, especially if you're doing LCG, we introduce all these things because you got to be able to know when the Spirit of God is speaking to you and working in your life. And for many of us, I think we just go through life so busy in a busy way that you miss those times when God is trying to speak to you. So I don't think it's necessarily God's problem. Some of it comes back down to us because he is working, he is speaking, but we're just not listening. So on one hand, there's nothing we can do. But on the other hand, we could prepare ourselves and wait upon God to do his work. And this is the reason why I think there's that constant balance of God's sovereignty and human responsibility. Things that only God can do, which is change hearts, put a desire in you. That doesn't come from you. Whenever you feel this desire to read the Bible, to love God, to pray, that's the spirit of God. Can I get a good amen to that? Don't ever take credit for it, think you're all spiritual, you ain't. And I can point out probably a lot of reasons why we're not. So whenever there is that desire to love people, to reach out and to serve, that's the Spirit of God. So you got to be humble and to be able to recognize that and then to obey. The other part is you have to do your part. That's why even though you don't feel like it, you read the Bible. Even though you don't feel like it, you pray. Even though you don't feel like it, you come out to life group. Even though you don't feel like it, you realize this is an encounter meeting. I want to encounter God. I want to pray. These are things that you have to, you got to get your butt out of your seat and move on to Kutong. I know it takes forever. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm like, Lord, bring us closer. Closer to you first, but then closer to main transportation somewhere but it, it takes it takes time to come all the way over here somebody like i like it here i work around here i just come down and and if you're not here then I, no excuse i don't know what else, but you know what i'm saying so i'm sharing all this because we're going to talk about prayer and i said we we, we know about prayer <laughs> You've heard a lot of sermons on prayer. You've practiced prayer. So it's not like I need to give another sermon on prayer. So I decided to take a different approach. I decided to do what we need to predicate or go before the prayer, which is really learning how to savor and to delight in, to be in its presence so that God will move our hearts and that we will want to pray and that we will know how to pray. Does that make sense? Can I get a good amen to that? Just to make sure you guys are with me. Amen? So I want to talk about that. And once again, it is something you have to do. I can't do it for you. But it's also something that God does. And I'm going to believe by faith that tonight he's going to do something where he's going to stir our hearts, stir our minds, stir our wills so that we can actually pray. So when we are in his presence, as we begin to pray, then we will see God do some amazing things. We only have about two, three weeks left. I know some of you are getting ready for some outreaches, but without that prayer, without savoring the presence of God, 
Uh, there's no way we're going to be able to do it. It's going to be all us doing it. And there's going to be no power in it, no anointing in it. So we want to be able to experience God. So if you have your Bibles, I'm going to have you turn to Psalm 34. We're going to read 10 verses. And as you're turning to that, I'm going to do a little illustration to kind of get us in the frame of mind. Uh, thank God for the hospitality team. Some of you don't know what they did, but they came early. And right underneath your chair, there's a piece of candy. Can you grab it right in front? Right in front, there's a piece of candy. Okay, do not open. Okay, pay attention. Please don't, don't check out the other empty chairs to put two in your mouth, okay? Just, just one. Just one, okay? So l listen to me carefully. This is what I'm going to have you do. So don't open it yet. This is what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you suck on this candy. And I'm going to give you about three minutes. Let me just be honest with you. We tested it out. And somebody just normally just kind of putting in their mouth, it took three minutes and 15 seconds. Now, it is very important, so don't open it yet. I'm going to give you instructions. Follow instructions. It is very important you do not chew. You just put it in your mouth. You might be able to go a little bit. But pretty much you're just leaving it in your mouth. And just let it rotate and marinate in your mouth, all right? Some of you who have dry mouth, Lord bless you. But anyway, <laughs> those of you who are salivating because it's a little bit sour, this is the famous uh, Nim's candy in Hong Kong. Uh, supposedly, everyone knows about this candy. And so as you're sucking on this candy, listen to me carefully, there are two things I'm going to have you do. So this is where you got to pay attention. So as you're putting this in your mouth, not now, but as you put this in your mouth, I'm going to count. As you put it in your mouth, then I'm going to have you. I want you to think about two things as you're sucking on this candy, two things. So you, you, it's just you and God now. Don't worry about the person in front of you, behind you, next to you. The two things that I want you to do is this, to think about a happy moment in your life. So as you're going, just think of one happy moment. You, you might have, some of you have to dig deep. Some of you don't have to dig deep at all because you just had a great dinner. And you're like, I am so happy. And also, I'm very sleepy. You know, you know what I'm saying? But anything in your life that you can say, wow, that was a really happy moment. In fact, I would go as far as to say this. If you had the opportunity to do it again, you would want to do it again. That's what I mean by happy moment. Does that make sense? Some of you will still choose food. Anyway, so just think of a happy moment in your life. And if you could do it again, like, you would do it again because it was so happy in your life. So just as you're sucking on this candy, just think about that moment. I don't know how long that's going to take, but it's important that you think about the people, think about the surrounding, kind of think about your senses, just all the different things that were involved in that time. The second thing that I want you to think about is a moment where you had a powerful encounter with God. So after you do the happy moment, then you switch over to just think into your spiritual life. And was there a time where you actually really encountered God? You felt like God was there. So I want to encourage you. It could be at a retreat that you might have gone to. It might have been a life group 
that somehow God really spoke to you or met you. It might be even during your times of soap. Maybe you were just walking somewhere and you just felt the presence of God. So just think about a time where you had a powerful encounter with God. So these are the two thoughts that I want you to spend the next four minutes doing. Now, here's the second thing I want you to do. The second thing is I'm going to have you, as you're thinking about these things, to think about three words, just three words that if you had to describe, or maybe you could use phrase by short phrases, maybe two-word phrases, three at the most. If you were to describe that moment, that happy moment, what words would you use? If you had to describe that powerful encounter with God, what are the three words or phrases, short phrases that you will use? So this will require you to really think a little bit. So you, once again, if some of you are still thinking after this candy is gone, I don't know what to say to you, all right? So take it slow, but not too slow because we're going to give you four minutes. And in fact, there's a timer. So once again, I think the most appropriate thing is to spend about a minute and a half or maybe even a minute for each of those. You can't just be like, oh, yeah, that was happy. Okay, next. This is not an exam. We want you to savor that moment. So you got to try to think, feel, reminisce, remember, consider all these great synonyms, all right? Think about these things. And then afterwards... There's, there's a QR code that I want all of us right now, if you could scan, or if you don't have a scanner, or you could just type in 7992088 at the Mentimeter. And we're going to do a little bit of like a kind of a, put all our responses together and see the kind of experience and how we describe it, all right? So... Hopefully you got the forms in front of you, so don't, don't do it yet. So we're going to start on the count of three, and then we're going to give you four minutes, all right? So let's do a pre-four minute, which is open the candy, okay? So let's all open it, because I realize some of us are going to have problems, all right? Thank God, you know, there's no COVID. It's good. We, we, that's why we got the wrapper, all right? So four minutes. Maybe think about one minute per experience, and as you're kind of thinking about it, then try to think about a wo- three words or three short phrases to describe it and start filling it out. And then at the end, we'll look at it all together. Are you guys ready? Okay. Do we have the counter going? Oh, there it is. Four minutes. Ready? On the counter. Let's see some of the words. Wow. Family, loved, grateful, friends. Joy, travel, friendships, peaceful, relieved, right? Relaxing. Okay. Unexpected. There's some interesting words. Happier, belonging. This is great. Fulfilled. So when you think about that happy moment, these are all these feelings and emotions that we're trying to use words to describe. Now, let's think about that powerful encounter with God. And if some of you are like, well, I don't know if I did, then it's okay. You don't have to force yourself or write anything. But uh, we want to give you maybe about 30 seconds. If you could just kind of use uh, three words or three short phrases when you think about that moment that you had that encounter with God.
<laughs> Some of you guys wrote out the, the theme of the retreat, one of the retreats. That's awesome. Loved, peaceful, joyful, convicted, redeemed, worship. Some of you guys always love the word unexpected, right? You guys don't expect anything. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Known, overwhelmed, tears, right? It's good stuff. Thankful, freedom. Amen. Turn to somebody next to you and say, it, so it sounds like you had a great life. So why are we doing this? I really wanted to take some time, just even if it's four minutes, just to savor some of those memories and the experiences that we had. Why is this important? Those of you who don't know, now a lot of the psychologists, as well as those personal trainers, they're trying to tap into this thing called savory. And this is the reason why I feel like whatever works in the world is usually a biblical principle. And so they're, they're doing this, a lot of the coaching, a lot of the training, and a lot of the psychologists, when, especially when people are struggling with depression and different things, they're trying to teach them this concept of savoring because it is a very powerful tool if you know how to do it and you know how to exercise it and it becomes part of your life. Listen to what the Oxford English Dictionary define, how they define the word savor. The word savor is defined in this way, taste, such as good food or drink, and enjoy it completely. The second part of that definition is enjoy or appreciate something pleasant completely, especially by dwelling on it. Let me give you some other dictionary um, definitions of savor that I thought it captured it a little bit more colloquially and understandably, and it says this. The Cambridge Dictionary defines it as to enjoy food or an experience, and keyword, what do you say, what is it? Slowly, in order to enjoy it as much as possible. And then the Macmillan Dictionary simply defines it as to enjoy an experience, activity, or feeling as much as you can for as long as you can. That's why some of you, when you put that candy in your mouth, you could have just bit into it and you're done. But there's something about savoring it that kind of fills your whole mouth and you're able to fully enjoy, especially if you like things that are sour or lemon flavored. Tim Wilson, he is a professor at the University of Virginia, along with Dan Gilbert, who is a professor at Harvard University. Uh, I don't think you've heard of that university before. But in their research, they found and discovered how our brains perceive our desires or aspirations in life. In fact, they coined this term called miswanting. Miswanting. And pretty much miswanting is this. And here's the uh, definition of it. Can we get to the...
It is the act of being mistaken about how much you're going to like objects or events in the future. So think about this for a moment. They have discovered and they have coined this word miswanting by saying that it is something that you expect that you're going to experience, but then it doesn't match up. So that makes sense. You want something, but they said, but it's a miss. So it doesn't really fulfill and satisfy. Now, the objects would be things like buying a car, which some of you will never do. But anyway, buying, buying a car. Relax. You will be foolish sometimes to buy a car because, you know, it's easier and a lot of money anyway. Like buying a car. Uh, choosing a, a school. Or saying yes to a job. Oh, I got a job. I don't care what kind of it is. You're like, oh my God, this is not the job. Which is, by the way, a little helpful hint. You should stay at your job for at least a year. Because your resume is going to look really bad. Because that's what the HR will say. Why did you only stay there two months? Why did you stay there only three months? So learn how to persevere, which is a whole different topic, which I, I will cover with six skills. So pay attention, all right? <laughs> The events, so objects are things that you do or you obtain. The events, it will be things like a, a relationship. Like you think, oh, I really want a relationship. And then you get it and you're like, whoa. I want to get married. And you're like, oh, so exciting. And then you get married you're like, whoa. That is miswanting. Or moving to a new place. Oh, I can't wait. And you're going to be like, yeah, oh. Roommates, yet, oh, <laughs> that is what we call miswanting. Therefore, Wilson and Gilbert discovered that in our brains, what this idea of miswanting these objects and these experiences or events, if you want to look at it, what it does is it builds anticipation for something. And then as soon as you experience it, you might enjoy it for a little bit, but then it quickly goes down. Does that make sense, you guys? We've all been there. The new phone, the new whatever, excitement, and all of a sudden it goes down. So one common symptom that they describe about miswanting is this idea of saying, if I only have, and here's the question, if I only have blank or experience blank, then I will finally be happy or satisfied. That's the mindset. This is what it's going to lead to miswanting. This is a biblical principle, and I don't know if they were Christians or not, but they discovered this in their research. And so it's kind of like you go through this brief satisfaction, but then once the achievement is settles down, that's when you start feeling this angst in your heart and this longing again. Therefore, we realize that reaching our goal made us no happier than before. Those of us who think if we only get a certain GPA, and then once you get it, you realize, I'm still not happy. As soon as you realize that as a graduate, I want this kind of job, and then you get it, and you realize, I'm still not happy. Oh, I want a relationship, and you get into a relationship, and after a little bit, you get bored, and you realize, oh, this is not going to be making me happy. The list goes on and on, and this is going to be for the rest of your life. I was thinking about this, and I said, was there ever a miswanting in my life? I realized there were many. 
the one that sticks out for me because it was a direct correlation to how much time and effort I put in was some of you probably heard the story before, but it was just my desire and my pursuit of wanting to start on my soccer team or here in Asia, you call it football because you kick it with your foot. But in, in America, they, there's another football that's a little bit more aggressive, but uh, we call it soccer. So I'll just use soccer because I'm used to that more. So bottom line was I said to myself, I, I really want to make the varsity team and start. Because the problem was I just picked up soccer when I was in eighth grade. So I was 13 years old. I played for my junior high team. I, I wasn't very good. I was just starting. And then I tried out for my high school team. And as I, some of you guys heard, there was three teams, A, B, and C. And C did not stand for cool. It was pretty much all the scrubs and people who didn't know how to play. I made the C team. That pissed me off. Uh, those of you who don't know me, I'm like, I'm not a C. I want to be an A. So sophomore year, which is the second year of high school, there's only one team, one sophomore team. That's it. So that meant that how I was on the, so there were about 26 people on the A team, about another 26 or almost 27 people on the B team, and a lot of other people who didn't know how to play on the C team. That was me. So I realized to make the sophomore team, because they're only going to pick about 25 people, I needed to beat out all these other people. So I dedicated myself, time, energy. That's just the way I am. I said, I'm going to make this team. I literally practiced every single day, rain or shine. I would practice even in the rain. Some of you heard some of the crazy things I would do. I was set in my mind. I said, I will not eat until I juggle the ball 100 times. And I would get to about 90-something, and the ball drops, and then I'll start all over again. My mom is yelling at me, hurry up and eat. I'm like, not yet. And this is how crazy I was. I was dedicated. I was focused. And then by, now I know it's by God's grace and God's ultimate plan. I didn't know what he was doing because I kind of strayed away from the Lord. I made the team. But the problem was I was sitting on the bench. So I said, I, I, I don't want my butt to warm up the bench. That's why they call it bench warmers. And usually if you make the varsity team by junior year, you're pretty good. To make the varsity team and start, you're really good. So that's what I aspired for. So I continued in my regiment every single day. I practiced, rain or shine. I ran. I was so crazy. I would go to our track. We had an Olympic-sized track in our school, bougie. Anyway, we, we would walk this Olympic-sized track, and I would say, I'm going to run and I don't know, I would toss out a number like 30 times or I'm not going to make the team. And after about seven laps, I'm like, <gasps> and I'm like, I'm going to quit. But then in my mind, I'm like, if I don't finish this 30 laps, then I'm not going to make the team. That drove me until even as I was almost crawling and barely walking, I would make 30 laps. And guess what happened? I made the team. And then guess what happened? I started. I remember that first home game. Now, those of you who never played sports, just try to imagine getting all straight A's, okay? Just try to imagine that. But <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys know what I'm saying. I don't, only athletes, or those who did sports, you'll probably understand the feeling. 
I remember my hands were getting sweaty. I was getting pumped. I was getting excited because this was under the lights. We had a football stadium, and then they turned it into a soccer field. And, you know, it, it was state-of-the-art facilities that we had in our school. Uh, back in the 80s, our high school was ranked in almost the top 10, and one year was number one in all of the nation of the United States. And so we're talking about a lot of these people went to Ivy Leagues and all that. That's how they ranked it. And we had a good facility. And we're talking about it was almost professional. Lights were very bright. The whole crowd was filled with parents and different people, some of our classmates. And all the pom-pom cheerleaders, they came out, you know. And they made this train. They made a little, kind of like this. They, okay, those of you who are at the end, can you guys like kind of turn and go like this? Yeah. So it was like this, all right? And this is ridiculous. So... <laughs> And so here they are with the pom-poms. Uh, I mean, they were a little bit closer, you know. And I remember because what they were doing was that they were going to call out the starters, their number and their name. So I, th this was the moment, the moment that I was waiting for. So my number was 13. And I, I was a left wing. Those of you who know, I was, I was a, a, a forward. It, Yes, I was a little bit skinnier back then, a uh, lot skinnier and faster. But I was, uh, I was a left uh, forward, and they called out my number, and they called out my name, and I'm like, this is it. So I'm walking, I mean, you got to kind of jog. You can't be like, what's up, what's up, you know? I ran through the cheerleading line, and I remember we went to the middle of the field, and afterwards I turned around looked at the, the crowd, and there was this overwhelming feeling of, that's it. I actually felt miswanting. I put so much time, so much energy into this that in that brief moment, what I thought was going to bring me complete satisfaction, it literally was a downer. I share this because I think God kind of used this um, to kind of get my attention to realize that the things that I was putting all my time and energy, it was not going to fulfill and satisfy. And it was throughout that year and through other things that God brought into my life, I finally surrendered my life fully to him and him alone. It's kind of interesting because the issue for many of us is that we get lost in the wanting, that we forget how to enjoy things of the things that we have and the things that we get to do. See, when you know how to savor something, think about this with me. If you know how to savor something, then what it does is it interrupts the miswanting. Because the miswanting is you aspire for something, you achieve it, and you're like, that's it. But if you're able to interrupt it and to enjoy the moment, enjoy the thing that you are doing, then what it does is that you're able to linger this a little bit longer and then the refraction, if you want to look at it, just downside will be shorter and it will take longer. That's why this idea of savoring really can transform the way you look at life. This is why when we savor things, we end up enjoying the simple things of life. I want to show you some pictures and, and let me just put it this way. It is for me. This, every picture that you see, it's me. So it might not be for you. Look at that picture like, huh? And there's no longing whatsoever. There, there might be avoidance. <laughs> so we're all different. 
uh, as you guys know, there's like different sides of me and there are different things that when I see, there's this weird feeling where I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, I don't know how you, you know, you guys, oh, you know that feeling? That's what I feel. And there's times when I see those kinds of situations or when I'm in those situations, I literally can just sit there and just savor and go, mm, mm, mm. Especially during the COVID pandemic, like I've been looking at some of these pictures, I'm like, oh, once I, I would love to, I would love to go to these places and do these things. So let me show you some pictures. This is me now, okay? Not you, me. That makes me feel like this savoring and enjoying. The first picture is this. Like just, you, you put any kind of coffee in front of me, I'm like, oh. Like I can literally just look at the, 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 the froth. And just like, wow. And it's an art. It really is an art. So when I see coffee, there's something that just kind of bubbles inside, and I could, I could savor and linger on this for a while. Look at that. Beautiful. Beautiful. Here's another picture. Like this idea of being out in nature and just being able to read. Like it, it's one of those feelings for me that I'm just like, man, like I, I savor it. I long for it. Kind of like me time, but I enjoy reading. And so I, I, this, is, this, this picture just kind of brings a lot of warm feelings for me. He looks pretty serious though. But anyway, um, just reading outside. Here's another picture. Just chilling, you know what I'm saying? And you're by a beach, you're by some ocean, some body of water, and just being able to just soak it all in. Like, I miss that. And there are times when I go speak at different places. Sometimes the hosts, they take me uh, around to whatever city it is. And sometimes just talking with them, which is great. Uh, I love networking. But there are times when they're like, you know, hey, we want you to check out this place. And that's one of the reasons why Hong Kong got into my heart. Because the person that I would come and visit, because he was a former member, he would take me to the peak. So I would be at the peak because you're at that train, you know, like, oh my God. You know, you go all the way to the top. And I remember my first time going to the peak, not, not just where the cheap, you know, you know, where it's free, but we're talking about you got to pay. So all the way to the top, I remember my first time, I'm like, I was just floored. I'm like, wow. So just anything that I'm able to just enjoy of nature and outside. So this is one. Whenever I see a beach, I think about just kind of sitting down, just chilling. Here's another one. Let's go through these quickly here. Rooftop, sunset, get a drink in your hand, whatever it is. Like to me, every time I see this, I'm just like, I love this. I, I could literally, as the sun is setting, I could just chill there and do nothing. It, it, it's savory. It brings a lot of good feelings inside of me. That's why recently I went to uh, this one area that's really near Repulse Bay, really wealthy place. This one person was hosting. They invited us to come. And I did not feel like I was in Hong Kong. It was a different world. And we were on their rooftop barbecuing. And I thought I was in the United States. I'm like, oh my God, pinch. So I'm like, Christina, I'm like, this is like, whoa. And then I heard it's like 50 to $60 million Hong Kong gave for this place. So I said, save, enjoy this. Because we will never have this, you know, anyway. 
Rooftop. Next. Once again, sunset, just a nice drink somewhere, water, all together. Next. <laughs> this also brings a lot of good feelings. I love music, especially jazz. And these j jazz lounges, jazz bars. I know pastors sometimes are not supposed to be there, but, uh, you know, <laughs> thank God I don't have a pastor's hat or whatever. I'm just a regular person. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, I was at a conference one time, and uh, the night before, excuse me, the night before everything was going to end, um, you know, we, they ended early. So I'm like, you know, I want to see if they have a jazz lounge here. So I was kind of looking it up, and I, I found one in, in this particular city. So I said, oh, maybe I'll just uh, stop by. And so when I was there, I was just kind of sitting down, and all of a sudden there were some other guys from the conference who walked in. You should have seen our eyes. We were just like, hmm? <laughs> and, you know, the, that side of you like, yeah, hey, what's going on? <laughs> but it was, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, hey, do, do you like music? And, and, and then we connected. We're like, hey, bro, we still keep in touch now. <laughs> uh, just because of it. So when I see anything that's kind of like a music, even a festival, it just brings a lot of warm feelings in my heart. Here's the I think the last one, right? Last one. A cafe outside. I don't know. I've never been to France, but like something like that where there's just people eating, drinking coffee. It just brings a lot of feelings. So why am I showing out this? Some of you like, okay. <laughs> well, Wilson and Gilbert found out that when we learn how to savor, then it allows the good feelings to linger. And it decreases that desire, or maybe put it this way. When you're able to linger, that desire goes longer, but then the disappointment or the feeling of being depressed, it shortens. Before you go into a different emotional state, when you linger, it helps you. So therefore, the five-step process... <laughs> I was thinking about this as I was reading this article. I kind of put it in my own words, and I add a couple extra things in there because I'm trying to look at it from a biblical perspective. It's pretty much alpha. Everyone say alpha. The first thing is this. This is a process of getting rid of the miswanting. The first one is accepting the fact that a good thing will not last forever. I thought this was such an important point that as soon as you can say this thing will not last forever, that it will literally transform the way you think. So you will savor it. You will cherish it. The second one is the L, which is loving and enjoying the things that you are doing in the moment. When you're able to love and enjoy what you're doing in that moment, that is when you're able to push away a little bit of the miswanting and find greater satisfaction. It is a savor. The P is pausing to acknowledge how happy you are. You just literally, you stop and you're like, wow, I'm so happy right now. This is great. The H is humbling oneself in gratitude to be able to say, I am so thankful for this experience. I'm so thankful that I'm able to go through this and savor this. Humility and gratitude always go together. And lastly, the A is attributing all the good things of the moment to a greater happiness.
or a greater purpose. If you, I, I was trying to think like, how, sh how should we put this? And I realized for us as Christians, we are attributing all good things from whom? It's God, which is tied in with the gratitude and acknowledging. So now, I'm going to have us break up in the heart. Some of you are like, we didn't even talk about the Bible. Don't worry. Uh, we'll get into it. And don't worry, we'll pray. Don't worry, we'll get out of here on time. Don't worry. So we're like, oh my God. All night prayer, no one told me. Okay, anyway. <laughs> I'm going to have you get into huddle groups. Can, can you make it no more than three? Even two is probably better because I really want you to talk through this a little bit. The, here are the three questions I want you to talk about. The first question is, what are some things that hinder you from savoring God moments? You know, just be honest, share what are some things that hinder you from, because whether it's busyness or whatever, what are some things that hinder you from savoring God moments? Number two is, are there times when doing spiritual things, whether it's soul, prayer, outreaches, etc., can work against us in savoring God? And then last question is, how can we learn and train ourselves to savor things more with our relationship with God so that we can find greater fulfillment? So once again, probably better to pair up or no more than three. So will you turn to a couple of people around you and then answer these questions and we'll bring you back together maybe seven, eight, some minutes, all right? Let's, let's go through this quickly and then we'll spend the rest of our time in prayer. Uh, tonight, I want to have us pray in our life groups, spend some time on our, uh, our own, pray for some of our reaches we're going to be doing. And uh, Lord willing, we pray for things that, that is yet to come that I believe that God is going to be doing. So hopefully you've turned to Psalm 34, um, verses 1 through 10. And I'm just going to quickly highlight for us three things that we see here as is related to savory. And one of the things that I hope you guys talked about, the reason why doing some good things like soap and whatever else it may be, outreaches, the reason why it goes against savoring is because there are many of us in this room that make it into a task. Are you with me? And as soon as you oh, I got to check this off, I got to do this stuff, you are not savoring. You're not enjoying the moment. That's why it really hinders you from loving God and loving people. So I'm hoping and praying that you will catch this, understand this from the heart of God, so that when we do begin to pray, our prayers will be different. That's what I want to see happen. So we know how to pray, but I want us to have our mindset and this idea of lingering and savoring, and that's how will, will motivate us to begin to pray. So let me talk about these three things that we see in this passage in Psalm 34. The first thing is just remembering just we have to lift up praises to God. Just think about praises to God. Let's go ahead and read the first three verses, and it's broken up really nicely into verses 1 through 3, and then 4 through 7, and 8 through 10. So let's go ahead and read the first three verses. Listen to what it says. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. So David, who is the writer of the psalm, says, I will bless the Lord at all times. And he says, there will be praise that will be continually on his lips or in his mouth. And can I just say this? When you think about this passage, it, as it starts off this way, it is simply learning to have perspective. Everyone say perspective. It is learning how to have perspective in your life. You cannot continually praise him and you cannot bless the Lord at all times 
when you don't have perspective. It's easy to praise God when things are going well. It's easy to praise God when you're feeling good. But the true test is when you don't feel like praising God, when you don't feel like it, when negative thoughts come in, when you struggle emotionally, when there's anxiety and the things that you're going through, worries in your life, whatever you're feeling, can you still praise God? And all I can say is only those who have perspective and maturity, I believe, can praise God. I'm not saying that they're faking it, but it has to be God who will convict us to say, even though, but we're going to still praise the Lord. It's really learning how to be God-centered rather than self-centered. That's why I've said this many times before. Just think about the times you complain. Because when I think about the times I complain, it's because I'm being very selfish and self-centered. It's just plain fact. I want something or I don't want something and it's happening. That's why I'm complaining. That's why I keep on saying to you, <laughs> I've said this to some of you this week. I always watch people's action to understand their values. I always listen to what they say to understand how they think. This is very important because when you're complaining, it is not a God-centered life. It is a self-centered life. It's about you, what you want or what you don't want. So that should be one of the first signs if you are an LCG member, if you love that person, if that person is your friend, if you start hearing complaint coming out of their mouth, I mean, don't be like, you sinner, you're self-centered. I mean, they're gonna be, you're not going to be their friend anymore. They don't want to do LCG anymore. But you listen, empathize. It must be really hard. But then somewhere along the line, you got to turn that corner with them and do one of those but God things or even though things. In spite of those things, you got to be able to do it, help them to see a God-centered perspective. That's what's going to cause praise. And sometimes praise is spontaneous. Sometimes praise is in the little things. Listen to what C.S. Lewis said in his book, Reflections on the Psalms. This is excellent. This has helped me. In fact, this, this book helped me to understand the importance of praise, why it's so important. We see it all throughout Scripture. Listen to what he says. If you, if you love reading, read anything by C.S. Lewis. It will transform your life, all right? Listen to what he says. He says this, and this is on page 93 and 95 of the Reflections on the Psalms. He says this, the most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything. So he's talking about whether you're praising God or you're just praising anything in this world. You could be a secular person and don't know Jesus, but you're still praising. Whether it's LeBron James, you're praising somebody or something. So he says, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise unless sometimes even if shyness or the fear of boring others is deliberately brought into check, uh, in to check it. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses. Readers, their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. Praise of weather, wine, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, uh, historical parsonages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politician, oh Lord, or scholars. I had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and 
capacious mind praised most while the cranks misfits and the malcontents praised least. So what he's simply saying is those who have their minds that are big and they're, they're thinking about God, or just a vastness, that they're able to spontaneously praise. But those who are like narrow-minded, they're very cranky, they're focused on themselves, complaining, they have the hardest time praising. What a great reminder. That's why when David says that I will praise the Lord, I will bless his name, and all the, all the times I will praise him, and that there will be continual lips of praise on my lips, is because he knew God. He knew how great and big God was. That's why I think he says his boast is in the Lord and the humble will be glad. If you're proud, you're comparing yourself to God and you get proud and you think I deserve this, you're not going to be able to praise him. You're not going to be able to savor the things that God is placing in your life. If we're going to savor the Savior and to pray, we have to learn how to fill our minds and mouth with praise. Are we filled with praise? to God or of God. The second thing is this, not only praise to God, but we see the pursuit of God. Look at verse four through seven. It's really interesting. He continues on and then he writes this, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be, put, uh, never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So what do we see? It's this idea of seeking God and how God answers prayers. This is so important. This is what he's trying to communicate. Those who sought the Lord or those who are seeking God, pursuing after God, God will hear and he will answer. Not necessarily how you want it, but what it is that you need. I think oftentimes we end up seeking for things that are, become our functional gods. When we talk about functional God, it's anything that will give you joy, peace, love, whatever it is. That's a functional God. Only God and God alone can fill your hearts with these things. Peace, love, joy. It's only from God. But when you turn to other things for those things, they, that person, that thing, that position becomes your functional God and you're going to be disappointed. And this mince wanting will start increasing in your life. It's amazing how some of us, we oftentimes trust and seek after people more than we should seek after God. Is there anything wrong with getting advice, talking to people? Of course not. You should. That would be why some of us don't seek after counsel from other people. We just make our own decision. You're being foolish. That's what the Bible says in the Proverbs. So you go read it. I'm my own God. I'm my own destiny. I will choose what. No, that's foolish. But what he's saying is this. It's not so much about don't seek after other people or don't turn to other people. What he's saying is this. Ultimately, who do you turn to? Because if you turn to your friends but never to God, do you see how there's a problem? Are you with me? Amen? But when you're seeking God and then you're talking to other people, then that's counsel of wisdom. There you go. But then you ultimately seek after God. This is why we sometimes when we think about the situation, we turn to ourselves. That's humanism. This is why we turn to the things of this world and there's idols in our lives. Or we put people above God. There is a sense of hunger 
and thirst that we need to understand and tap into if we're going to savor the Savior. I think too often when we just replace or fill that hunger and thirst with temporary things, it's going to disappoint us. That, that miswanting will increase. This is the reason why I think all of us, many of us, we, we experience this. We feel stuck. We go through the same cycle over and over again. Why? Because we're misplacing these longings and thirst and hunger into the things that don't satisfy. So that's why you see these guys constantly going to one relationship to another, thinking somehow they're going to find that right person. And you're going to continue to seek. Thinking that, oh, if I only get this job, so they're going to keep on looking for jobs and thinking that they're, and they're going to be like, if I only had this, but then and once you have it, you want more. That's what the book of Ecclesiastes talk of, talks about. So this is the plight of so many of us. And we wonder why, because the, the question is, what is it that you are pursuing after with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Listen to what Joe Rigney said in his book, The Earth of Things. He writes this, Our sense of hunger and thirst are divinely designed to highlight the soul's hunger for spiritual food. Man, this is so good. Let me read that part again. Our sense of hunger and thirst are divinely designed, so God designed it this way, to highlight the soul's hunger for spiritual food. Apart from our experience of empty stomachs and parched throats, a full bellies, quenched thirst, and the incredible variety of tastes, our spiritual lives would be impoverished. And we would have no real vocabulary for spiritual desire, no mental and emotional framework for engaging God. I mean, what, what truth is that? When we think about it, we're like, you know, we know what it feels to be hungry and thirsty. But sometimes when we feel that, it should be a reminder God created us that even though these things will sustain us in living, but there's a deeper hunger that we have in our hearts, which is a spiritual hunger. And sometimes you cannot put that in words. I'm wondering how many of us right now are spiritually hungry and thirsty that we don't even know it, and we, we are turning to so many other things. Let me give you some verses just to kind of remind us about pursuing God. Psalm 42, 1 and 2 in the NIV. Listen to what it says. Many of you know these verses well. It says this, As a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Listen to the uh, the Passion Translation, TPT. It says this, and read the yellow section with me. It says this, I long to drink of you, O God, drinking deeply from what? Streams of pleasure flowing from your presence. I just want to park it there for a little bit. Because he says, drinking deeply from what? The streams of pleasure that flows from where? From the presence of God. That lingering, that savoring in the presence of God as it keeps on flowing as you receive from God. That's where your spiritual thirst will be quenched. It will be met. But so many of us, we feel this, but we don't know what it is, how to describe it. So we turn to Netflix. We turn to doing more stuff. We turn to all this other stuff, YouTube, and we think to ourselves, how many of you, after you watch one hour of YouTube, you get more tired? That dang auto play, turn that thing off. 
Like sometimes you're playing a video game, sometimes you're doing something and you get more tired afterwards. Because there's this hunger and thirst it's for God, but you don't know how to fully express it or know it. And so we turn to temporary things and it makes us more thirsty, more hungry. It's literally being thirsty and then drinking salt water. David had the same desire when he was in the wilderness of Judah. Do you remember that psalm? The famous one, Psalm 63, verses 1 through 4. Listen to what it says in the ESV. It says this, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I looked upon you in the sanctuary. Come on, read this together. Beholding your power and glory. Do you know what beholding is? It's gazing. It's just learning how to just be in his presence, savoring the glory and the presence and the power of God. It's not trying to make the next train. You, you need to create the time to behold, to gaze. That's why some of you are like, what does that mean? Oh, be quiet. You know exactly what that means. Because when you look at that girl that you like, what do you do? And she's freaked out because you're staring at her. And then as soon as she catches your eye, you're like, but she knows you're looking. Then when she turns away, you're like, so don't tell me you don't know. Mm. God, I'm not going to get started because I'm going to do a relationship seminar. I think we need to do one ASAP. Jesus, come on. <laughs> Verse 3. Because your steadfast love is better than what? Life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. I love that. You're beholding his power and his glory and his presence. And it says here what? Because, man, as you're sitting there a Savior, and you're like, Man, you, God, you're, you're so much better than life, better than anything else in this world. You will not be able to say that if you do not spend time with God and savoring and enjoying just a moment with God. I love how the message translation translates it. You read that yellow section with me. It says this, God, you are God. I can't get enough of you. Some of you are like, ooh, it's good. But you know what? You know that word. You, you know that phrase. When you can't get enough of something or someone, it's, that means you what? Come on now. You love that person. You enjoy that person or enjoy that thing. You don't want it to end. I can't get enough of you, Lord. I've worked such a hunger and thirst for God, traveling across dry and weary deserts. So here I am in the place of what? Worship. Worship. I am in this place of worship. Eyes open. Here's that drinking. They love drinking, but it's not the drinking that you think, okay? <laughs> drinking in your strength and glory. In your generous love, I am really living at last. My lips brim praises like fountains. I bless you every time I take a... Holy cow. Come on, everyone take a breath. Jesus. <laughs> Praise you. 
My arms wave like a banner of praise to you. I love the message translation. It just keeps me down to earth and graphic. We have come to the realization that there is nothing in this world that is worthy of our pursuit than pursuing after God. Until you come to that realization, you're going to continue to feel this hunger and thirst that no one can fully satisfy. That's why savoring and being in His presence will help you to tap into that. Drink of Him. Eat of the things that He puts in your, the spiritual food that He puts in your life. That's why if you think about that psalmist when he wrote in Psalm 73, do you guys remember what he said in verse 25 to 26? He says, who have I in heaven but what? But you. It's this idea that he's gone through this world, checked everything out, and he realized, wow. Because he started seeing all these people who are wicked people experiencing all these good things, and he goes, God, why? But then he thought about it in the sanctuary, and he says, who have I in heaven but you? And nothing on this earth that I desire besides you. My flesh, right? our bodies, it might fail, but God is what? He is the portion. He's my life, everything that I have. That's why in the NLT it says, I desire you more than anything on earth. Listen to what the Passion Translation says. Who have I in heaven but you? You're all I want. No one on earth means as much to me as you. Man. See, many of us can say that to people that we love, that we care about. When was the last time you said that to Jesus? Just being in his presence. God, there's no one else that means so much to me than you. Lord, so many times I fail, I fall into disgrace, but when I trust in you, I have a strong and glorious presence protecting and anointing me. Forever, you're all I need. If we're going to savor the Savior and pray, then we have to learn how to desire and pursue and enjoy God's presence. Are we in the pursuit of God? And are we praising God? Lastly, it's found in verse 8 and 10, is the pleasure, is the experience of pleasure in God. Look at verse 8 and 10. It says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. And listen to verse 10. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. The phrase, taste and see that the Lord is good, it is a reference to experiencing God. Let me give you some other translations of the word taste. It means discern, to perceive to understand and to experience. So it says, come and discern, come and perceive, come and understand, come and experience that the Lord is good. When we're able to savor by tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, then we can come to the conclusion, I lack nothing. 
That's why in the English, uh, contemporary English version, it says this, but if you trust the Lord, you will never miss out on anything good. Do you guys believe that? Can I get a good amen to that? Well, some of us don't. Like, think about it. If you fully trust in the Lord, you will never, everyone say never. never. You will never miss out on anything good. That's trusting in God that he is good. And you've experienced that. Jonathan Edwards, in his writings of religious affection, listen to what he writes. True saints have their what? Come on. Minds first in the first place, inexpressibly pleased and delighted with the sweet ideas of the glorious and amiable nature of the things of God. And this is the spring of all their delights. But the dependence of the affections of hypocrites is in a contrary order. They first rejoice that they are made so much of by God, and then on that ground, he seems in a sort lovely to them. I hope you got to understand this, to understand this point of pleasure. What he's saying is those people who genuinely experience pleasures in God are those people who start with God and focus on God. But those people who are, once again, as I shared earlier, self-centered, and they keep on wanting, are those people who are, they like the idea of, wow, God is love and he loves me. And then it stays there and goes, how can he make much of me? That's why if all you do is preach on God loves you, it's going to be a warped theology. He does love you. It says, the Bible says that God is love. But also he's holy. He's righteous. So you got to balance it and realize that, wow, when I look at God, I see the magnificence and the glory and the beauty of who he is. And you keep on focusing on God, not on yourself. Keep on focusing on him. But those people who cannot take pleasure in God, they look at God, they're like, oh, he loves me. And then everything starts from within. It's all about them. That's why Psalm 16, verse 11 says, You made known to me the path of life. In your, everyone say that word, presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hands are what? Pleasures forevermore. It is in the presence of God. It's focusing on Jesus. Listen to what the voice translation says. Instead, you direct me on the path that leads to a beautiful life. As I walk with you, the pleasures are what? Never ending. And I know true joy and contentment. If you are in his presence, you're savoring, you're growing in your walk with God, you're going to want to pray. You're going to want other people to experience what you're experiencing. That's why the Living Bible says this, you have let me experience the joys of life. And listen, I love this word. Everyone say this. Exquisite. It's like exquisite pleasures of your own eternal presence. That your presence is exquisite. It is a pleasure that no one else can give. If we're going to savor the Savior and pray, then we have to learn how to take pleasure in His presence. Are you taking pleasure in God? Well, when I think about savoring the Savior, you know what it's going to cause us to do? And we're going to enter prayer time right now. Here's some things that I want us to think about when we think about savoring the presence of God. First thing is this. We're going to pray with joy. Why? Because prayer is about communion with God. Lord, I love praying because I get to talk with you. 
This is who you are. So you're going to start praying with joy. If you're like, oh, God, oh, Lord, then you're not savoring. Then you you, you want to take that candy. So we have some extra, I think. So take some of that candy and go, and then start praying. The second thing is pray with love. Because when you're enjoying, you're like, wow, this is so good. God is so good. His presence is so good. Then when you start praying for things, you're going to pray with love because you're going to have God's heart. And third and last thing is you're going to pray with faith because it's all about God and what he's going to do. So when you are in his presence, you behold his glory and his power and you begin to pray in faith. That's why whenever I see people praying in light of these three things with great joy, with just great love and great faith, you just know that they're in the presence of God. And that's what we want to do at this time. Let's all stand together as we spend the rest of our time just in prayer. I'm going to ask us right now, before we do anything else, can we just, as we're standing, and I don't know what posture will help you to express it the best. I don't know, maybe some of you feel compelled to kneel. That's fine too. But as you're standing, whatever posture with your body, whether it's lifting up our hands, whether it's putting your hand over your heart or just putting it right in front of you, just somehow in your posture, in your body, let's think about the presence of God. And instead of rushing through everything, can we just think about, as we saw in Scripture, eating and drinking, taking in the presence of God. Focus less on yourself right now. Yes, we are sinful. Yes, there's a lot of junk. Yes, there are a lot of things filling our mind. But as best as you can, by the grace of God, will you get your minds fixated on who Jesus Christ is? Think about the cross. Think about Golgotha, the path that led to the cross. Think about some of the words that he has spoken on that cross. Try to picture it as best as you can. And just linger there for a little bit, just savoring, understanding the sinfulness of our own hearts, but yet the grace and the love of God. Let's try to picture Him as best as we can. So just for several minutes, just in the right posture of our hearts and minds, as it matches up, let's just think about that, meditate on it. And then will you just fill your mouth with some praise to say, thank you, Lord Jesus. With every breath that you take, just to exhale and say, God, thank you. Just thank you for your love. Thank you for your commitment to me. Thank you for reaching out to me at that retreat. Thank you for setting my heart on fire, that one meeting that we had. Thank you for bringing that person. That was a divine appointment. You brought that person. Where would I be without you? So come Holy Spirit. I just pray that you will use this divine, holy moment as we linger and savor the goodness. We're going to taste and see that the Lord is good. And out of that, Lord, may our hearts just be able to be grateful, humble, and just wanting more of you, Lord. Fill our hearts right now with your presence. Come, Lord Jesus. Come on, church, let's be in his presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. 
Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.